I'm Jody F. Welcome to Homicidal Impulse. Tonight we're going to discuss a murder and four disappearances, which are believed to be linked to one man, James Carlin Tolliver. Our story both begins and ends on the morning of October 9th, 1981. Lumberjacks found two bodies in Hope Valley, Alpine County, just south of Lake Tahoe. The first body was found in her car. 49-year-old Florence Evelyn Rechina had been shot in the head twice with a 38 caliber gun. A series of footprints, situated far apart as if the subject had been running, led to a pickup truck located a half mile away. The truck belonged to 46-year-old James Carlin Tolliver, and his body was found sprawled outside the vehicle. His corpse showed no overt signs of homicidal violence. In his hand, Tolliver was clutching a 38 caliber revolver. Lab technicians will later determine the bullets extracted from Florence Rechina's skull had been fired from this 38. A shopping bag full of $100 bills, $98,000 worth to be exact, was found in a bloody pillowcase next to his right leg. A matching pillowcase was found in Florence for China's car. Near Tolliver's body, Alpine County deputies found a roll of men's clothing. In a pants pocket, they discovered a 32 caliber gun and a suicide note purporting to be from Florence Rechina. This purported suicide note was typewritten and addressed to Florence's children and brother. Her family doesn't believe she wrote this note, however, because it was riddled with misspellings and grammatical errors. Florence, as her family knew, was a special education teacher, so she understood the value of good grammar. Investigators soon learned Florence had recently divorced her husband of 31 years. She'd also just sold their marital home for $98,000, the exact amount of money in the bloodstained pillowcase found near Tolliver's body. Investigators were able to determine Florence and Tolliver met at Parents Without Partners, a signals organization for divorcees. It was like the pre-cyber version of OkCupid with less typing and much bigger lapels. Tolliver, incidentally, had been attending Parents Without Partners using an alias, Jim Joy. Interestingly, none of the other Parents Without Partners members knew Tolliver and Florence were romantically involved. Always a red flag, unfortunately. So who was James Carlin Tolliver? And how did he die? Tolliver was an Oklahoma native who resided at 2604 Morgan Road in the city of Ceres, California. Investigators will later find Florence Rechina's jewelry in his home, hidden behind a loose brick in his fireplace. Tolliver worked as a forklift operator at the Tri-Valley Growers Cannery. Tolliver, incidentally, was not well-liked at the cannery, 
He'd recently run for union representative at the plant, and he came in dead last. Tolliver's travails at the cannery have a 2020 tie-in. Shortly before his death, he'd been suspended for refusing to wear safety goggles on the job, which makes him the pre-COVID version of an anti-masker. Detectives learned Tolliver was known to be a heavy gambler, but he had no gaming debts, which is surprising. At the time of his death, he had $82,000 in his bank account, which is a substantial amount of money in 1981. Tolliver also had a history of heart ailments, and an autopsy will later determine he died of a cardiac event, presumably after sprinting away from the Rochina crime scene. Florence's family had never heard of James Tolliver or Jim Joy either. Florence had, however, told one of her relatives she was going to spend a week in Tahoe with the man, which was pretty racy for 1981. According to the San Francisco Examiner, Florence told this unnamed relative, quote, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it. I've got to live. I've got to live. Irony in five words. Tolliver's brother, William, will later admit he parked Tolliver's pickup truck near the Rechina crime scene at his brother's request. As best as investigators can determine, Tolliver and Florence, who still believed his name to be Jim Joy, were traveling to Tahoe to gamble with her life savings. Midway through their journey, he convinced her to pull to the side of the road, and Tolliver then shot her in the head, hoping to stage the scene as a suicide and abscond with her cash. The first bullet, however, failed to kill Florence, so Tolliver shot her a second time. He then realized the suicide scenario would no longer be feasible, so he instead staged a robbery, grabbed the murder weapon in her cash, and fled. While running to his truck, parked in the area the previous day by his brother, Tolliver suffered a heart attack and died. An argument can be made that James Tolliver's death was karmic justice, but if so, it happened way too late because investigators would soon determine as many as four other women may have been fatally ensnared in Tolliver's homicidal schemes. The first disappearance believed to be tied to James Carlin Tolliver occurred on September 12, 1974, seven years before Florence were China's murder. Very little information is available about alleged victim Hester Lee Chandler, not even her photograph. She was 60 years old when she withdrew $9,000 from her bank accounts and promptly disappeared. Investigators have never revealed how Hester's disappearance was linked to Tolliver. It's possible she simply fit the pattern of his known victims. Tolliver had verifiable links to the next woman who went missing. 26-year-old Jacqueline Cooper vanished November 12, 1976, two years after Hester's disappearance and five years before Florence's murder. Jacqueline, or Jackie as she was more commonly known, worked with Tolliver at the Tri-Valley Growers Cannery. Jackie told a friend she and Tolliver, who were both married to other people, were going to run off together. 
Before disappearing, Jackie withdrew $4,000 in cash from her bank account. I think we can see a pattern starting to form. As is the case with Hester Lee Chandler, neither Jackie Cooper or her remains have ever been located. The next vanishing woman in James Tolliver's life was located even closer to home. His 43-year-old wife, Patsy Gay Tolliver, disappeared on August 12, 1978. The Tollivers had been married for 27 years. According to the Charlie Project, the month before Patsy's disappearance, she attended a family reunion in South Dakota. While there, she allegedly said James had threatened to kill her if she attended the reunion. Patsy was last seen at the Tolliver home in Ceres. In a bold move after she disappeared, Tolliver contacted the police and claimed his wife stole $27,000 from him and left him. Honestly, it would be satisfying to believe this scenario actually happened. Patsy had voluntarily disappeared after stealing money from her husband, sort of like a groovy 1970s version of Gone Girl. Common sense, however, indicates this is probably not the case. Tolliver was almost certainly staging a motive for his wife's disappearance, ensuring he wouldn't be blamed for it. The final woman believed to be connected to James Carlin Tolliver vanished on May 17, 1979. Mary Louise Watkins, age 54, was a nurse from Modesto. She disappeared one year after Patsy Gay Tolliver and two years before Florence Rechina's murder. Shortly before she disappeared, Mary Louise abruptly quit her job and sold her home. According to Charlie Project, she was last seen by a roommate packing her belongings into her car. Before her disappearance, Mary Louise Watkins withdrew $28,000 from her bank account, telling her banker she had an investment opportunity. Her car was later found emptied of her belongings. Mary Louise's daughter subsequently received a letter stating her mother was going to marry a man she met at a dating service. How much do you want to bet that man was named Jim Joy or one of Tolliver's other aliases? For legal reasons, however, I should note that the Modesto Police Department has never been able to firmly link Tolliver to Mary Louise Watkins. Like Hester Chandler, Jackie Cooper, and Patsy Gay Tolliver, Mary Louise Watkins has never been seen again, and her remains have never been found. To me, one of the most fascinating aspects of James Tolliver's criminal career was his modus operandi switch. His four, four presumed victims were successfully disappeared. Why would he then attempt to stage Florence's death as a suicide? I wonder if the modus operandi switch was related to the jewelry found in his chimney. Perhaps he wanted the ability to claim he was given the jewelry by a suicidal Florence divvying up her worldly goods. I guess the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, applies to homicide as well as everything else. Before we personalize this crime, I'd like to reiterate that this forensic audit is not intended to victim shame. Tolliver's victims made the best decisions they could make with the information they had at the time. Today, 
Due to their unfortunate fates, we have more information. Information that can help us make better decisions in the future. On that note, our first lesson from Tolliver's homicidal reign is this. Beware of any romantic partner who wants to keep your relationship on the down low. If I may quote comedian Chris Rock, if you've been dating a man for four months and you haven't met any of his friends, you are not his girlfriend. Maybe murder isn't part of the plan. Maybe he or she is just married or in the witness protection program. Best case scenario, he or she is ashamed to be seen with you. This isn't something you need in your life. I don't know you, but I know you deserve better. Lesson two, unless you're investing in illegal narcotics, beware of any investment opportunity that involves cash. Even Nigerian scammers will take a certified check or bank transfer. Any endeavor that involves pulling tens of thousand dollars in cash out of the bank will end in tears or federal money laundering charges. Hard pass. Lesson three. Be wary of romantic partners with missing spouses. To be clear, I'm not saying a missing spouse should be a deal breaker, but the situation does warrant scrutiny. 92% of all missing people are recovered, either alive or dead. To be in that tiny minority of cases that remain open is a statistical anomaly, and statistical anomalies always raise red flags. If I or someone I love was interested in dating someone with a long-listing spouse, I'd do some digging. For example, I'd want to know, how long did it take to dispose of the missing spouse's worldly goods? Was the disappearance unduly convenient for the surviving spouse? These are some of the questions I'd be asking, and I hope you'd be asking these questions too. Finally, and I know I said I wasn't going to victim shame, and I'm not, but I am going to appearance shame. James Carlin Tolliver, to be frank, was not much of a looker. That he was able to allegedly con four women into dating him secretly is astounding. Never mind the financial fraud aspect. This tells us not that his victims had bad taste. This tells us that James Carlin Tolliver must have been a seriously smooth talker. Important takeaway, beware of any man or woman who seems suspiciously glib. Sociopaths have the ability to transfix mere mortals. Be suspicious of anyone who tells you what you want to hear. Always listen to your gut. As poor Florence Rochina said, quote, I know it's wrong. Always respect your intuition. If someone is telling you things that seem too good to be true, you should walk away while you still have the ability to walk away. Hester Chandler, Jackie Cooper, Patsy Gay, Mary Louise Watkins and Florence Rochina trusted a con man and they paid the price. Let's learn from their example so their deaths won't have been in vain. This has been Homicidal Impulse with Jody F. Don't forget to lock your doors. <laughs>